0: Good morning, everybody. Come on, let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. We greet you in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Come on, that didn't sound like much love, y'all. That didn't sound like much love. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you. Make a joyful noise to the Lord today. grateful and thankful to the Lord for God allowing our moments to roll on just a little while longer. So thankful for all that God is doing. What a tremendous vacation Bible school we had this past week and I want to thank uh, Deacon Terrence and Deaconess uh, Jarrah uh, Thomas for a tremendous job. All of those who worked in our vacation Bible school volunteers, would you please stand on your feet Just stand on your feet wherever you are. We want to applaud you. Thank you. Amen. For making sure good seed was planted and planted seed was watered, not just in our children, but in our youth. Had a tremendous turnout with our youth this past week. And I want to thank uh, Pastor Cameron Jenkins and the youth ministry team, Deaconess Fields and Brother Marquise and all of them who do it, the the Franklins, this did a tremendous job with our youth. And then our adults, uh, Pastor Darrell Rose, Sister Rose, and uh, his team, um, Minister Russell DePena, they did a tremendous job with our adults as well. So we're grateful and thankful to the Lord for the lives that were touched, impacted, and changed over this past week. want to uh, send a special shout-out to Sister Sheila Centino, Sister Sheila Sentino want her to know she's watching that we love her and we thank and praise God for her got a chance to go see her this past week uh, sister Sentino was part of our senior adult ministry for years um, Christian worker um, I believe she's part of the prayer ministry as well and she is um, battling with dementia right now So we want to keep her in prayer. But her daughter, Mickey, called me and said that she was asking about me. She always talks about good hope. And it reminded me of Sister Nettie Bates. Some of you who were here for uh, many years. Sister Nettie Bates was uh, one of our seniors who began to suffer with dementia and Alzheimer's. And she was a runner as they would identify them. She would take off and run. And I got a call one night. I was at home. I got a call one night. It was from the Houston Police Department. And they uh, asked if I was uh, Pastor Cofield. And I said, I am. He said, you pastor the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. And I said, I do. And they said, do you know a Sister Nettie Bates? And I said, absolutely. She's one of our seniors. Sweet lady. He said, well, he said, we found Sister Bates wandering on the street. And she's not able to tell us her home so we can't take her back home. Said the only thing she remembers is her name, the name of her church, and the name of her pastor. Y'all, I got to tell you, why I was messed up, man. I was ready to start crying like a baby. Uh, the fact that she had gotten to that place, but the fact that that was all she remembered. We were able to contact uh, Sister Rosetta Mays and uh, connect her back with family, but it was just a reminder. Of the importance that the Lord plays in our lives, even fighting dementia. Sister Centino still remembered scripture and was quoting scripture to me as we were sharing and talking with one another and laughing. She looks absolutely amazing. I want you to keep her in your prayers and keep her daughter in your prayers as well. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Where's rooted and grounded? Make some noise those of you who are participating in our discipleship process. we got a little break for the summer, but we're getting ready for the fall of the year. And I've been asking you to put together your list of people that you are prayerfully going to approach. God gives you an opportunity to invite. I started off with what? I remember friends, right? Friends, uh, however you define your friends, you start praying about inviting friends to be part of your rooted and grounded group and then last week we talked about relatives we talked about relatives and inviting your relatives Um, you have some relatives that know Jesus but you got a whole lot of relatives who need Jesus and to invite them to be part of the rooted and grounded group to discover God's plan and purpose for their life today I'm going to add another group that I want you to pray about this is the letter a for associates everybody say associates Now, these are not friends. These are not relatives. These are people, though, that you come in contact with on a regular basis. You don't chop it up necessarily. You don't get lunch with them, right? You don't go to each other's homes, but these are people that you see regularly. So, for example, maybe your favorite barista that you see at the coffee shop when you get your daily dose of caffeine. Or uh, maybe somebody you may see regularly at your favorite restaurant. Or maybe somebody you see in the supermarket or somebody like that somebody that you're associated with somebody maybe at work you're not boys that's not your girl but you know y'all are cool right they're just an associate and that's somebody that you can prayerfully invite to be part of your Rooted group in the fall we start in September and we'll go right up just before Thanksgiving Uh, we're looking forward as we launch Rooted And grounded worldwide. And so, for those who are watching all around the world, we would love for you to be a part of our group. Right now, we're represented in seven different states, and we want to see God take us into seven different countries to take hope to the world. Speaking of taking hope to the world, man, I want to give a special shout out to Sister Kyrie Simpson. Where are you, Kyrie? Kyrie's up there. Come on, y'all, say amen for Kyrie. So Kyrie was invited to our church some years ago with a friend and that friend told her when she spent a nice "Now you know, you got to go to church in the morning with us. And she came to church some four or five years ago before the pandemic, uh, continued to, to affiliate with the church, left the church, left Houston to go to Florida and had been in Florida living there, felt like God moved her there. And began to sense that God wanted her to come back. She connected with the church, of course, online. Recommitted her life to the Lord. And uh, through our Rooted and Grounded Fellowship, she got baptized this morning and has moved back to Houston. So we're excited to have Kyrie back in Houston. Come on, y'all. She just moved back home. Yeah. So we're excited for her and looking forward to seeing what God is going to do in her life last but not least don't forget the concert this afternoon we are going to have arguably one of the top 10 i think top five gospel choirs of all time here with us and that's the thompson community singers aka the tommy's reunion choir they're gonna be here this afternoon at 3 p.m everybody say 3 p.m that means you got time to go get something to eat amen if you need to get a nap, get your quick nap. We'll leave the church open and get you a quick nap. No, no, no. Just get you a snack, all right? Eat eat dinner after the concert. Get you a little snack, all right? Come on back. We're gonna have a great time in the Lord, and we're celebrating the conclusion of our 150th anniversary, the conclusion of our sesquicentennial celebration. We're gonna talk about all of the great things that God has done over the uh, last year getting ready for next year and we're going to honor all of those who were part of our 150th anniversary committee. They did an absolutely tremendous job. Looking forward to that and then, man, we're going to have a time today. The Thompson Community Singers are uh, somebody's group and here from Chicago, Illinois and we're grateful and thankful that they would come under the leadership of Pastor Darius Brooks. So we're looking forward to God blessing us today. How many of y'all plan on coming back? How many of y'all plan on coming back? All right. How many of y'all don't know? How many of y'all don't know? You thinking about it? How many of y'all rev you in it by yourself? I can't Don't raise your hand. I don't, I don't need you to be honest right there. I need you to hold your peace right there. <laughs> but we've got about four to five hundred people that are coming back already that have already registered. And so Um, If you'd like to uh, register, you can do that, uh, guarantee a seat. But if you don't, we'll put a chair down in the aisle for you. Just come on back. We're looking forward to God blessing us in a special way. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say in the preaching and teaching of your word, that it would go forth. To edify your people and bring glory to you. Forgive me of my sins of thought, word, and deed. Sins of omission and commission. Sins that were committed overtly, covertly, and inadvertently. And I pray, God, that you would use your servant to allow your word to go forth. That it would be heard and it would be acted upon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So hopefully you're not this person. The person that knows everything. You ever met anybody like that? I don't care what you say. Oh yeah, I know. I know. Life can be raggedy, jacked up, tore up from the floor. up. They may even ask you for some advice. And when you give them some advice, they say, oh yeah, I know that. I know that. And you're looking at them thinking to yourself, well, then why aren't you living it? Like if you know it. Like, why haven't you made some changes in your life? Kind of like the fellow that when I got to Good Hope, he told me nobody could tell him anything about a woman because he knew everything about a woman. And I was thinking to myself, man, how can you be that smart? I mean, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and he still acknowledged women were a mystery to him. I'm like, how do you know so much about women? He said, I've been married five times, five times. Can't nobody tell me nothing about a woman. I was like, obviously nobody has. Because if after five times you think you know something about a woman and you telling me all women are crazy, I'm like, no, that's only one common denominator amongst all five of those women you were married to. And that's you. Right. The truth of the matter is many of us live that way, even with God. And here's what I mean when I say that we know more than we live. And many times when you come to church, you nod your head like, yep, yep, you sure right, Rev. Ooh, boy, you sure stepped on my toes, Rev. You sure got in my shoes today, Rev. But here's the problem. The problem for many of us, if not the overwhelming majority of us, is we know the truth, but we don't live it. If you lived all you know right now, your life would probably be at least 75% better than it actually is right now if you just live what you already know. But there's this chasm that we have failed to overcome. We have failed to bridge this chasm between knowing and doing. In our text today, Jesus gives us a tremendous example of what it means to know the truth and then to live out the truth that you know. Today, I want to share with you from the thought that we started last week, how to survive trying times. Part two of how to survive trying times. If you have your outline, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand. And the ushers will get one to you. If you are watching online, you can download an outline at our app or go to our website. Now, remember, we shared on last week. This is one of three times when the devil actually spoke in the scriptures. The first time was in Genesis. The devil spoke through the serpent to Eve to get her to do contrary to what God had commanded. Second time the devil spoke was in the book of Job when he showed up with the sons of God and God bragged on Job and said, have you checked out my servant Job? The third time he speaks in scriptures is in our text today in Matthew chapter four. The first time the devil spoke, he spoke to disrupt a place, a place of peace, a place of communion and fellowship with God. The second time he spoke, he spoke to destroy a person. Matter of fact, he told God, he said, the only reason Job blesses your name and worships you is because you put a hedge of protection around him. Remove your protection and let me have my chance at Job and I'll make Job curse you. He wanted to destroy his person or his character. The third time the devil speaks, he doesn't deal with the place or the person, he deals with purpose because he wants Jesus to adjust his reason from coming from glory to earth so that now Jesus becomes more self-centered and self-focused as opposed to being sovereignly directed. My brothers and my sisters, let me tell you something. Every time the devil approaches you to tempt you, every time a temptation comes your way, know that the devil wants to destroy your place, your person, or your purpose. If he can destroy your place, a place of peace, a place of calmness, if he can destroy, thank you, Lord, your person in terms of destroy your character— or he can destroy your purpose, get you living out of purpose or off purpose. Every temptation is designed to address one, two, or all three of those areas in your life. Now, last week, we shared in part one, two things. If you have your outlines, you should find these there. Number one, you need to realize you will never be exempted from tests and tribulations in life. You will never be exempted. The Bible says in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus did not get to the wilderness on his own and he didn't get there in a secretive way. The Bible says the Holy Ghost led him. Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Many of us have a poor theology thinking that you can't get to the wilderness unless you get there out of disobedience and unless the devil leads you to the wilderness. The text says the devil didn't lead him to the wilderness, the devil met him in the wilderness. But he was led there. By the Holy Spirit. Can I help somebody today to understand that God will never take you to what he won't take you through. Let me just throw that in as a side note for somebody. The, the Lord will never take you to what he will not take you through. You and I will have to face trials, tribulations, and temptations in life. And remember what we said, temptations are not evil in and of themselves. As a matter of fact, this word in the original language changes meaning and emphasis depending on the context within which it is used. So when the devil brings this, it's called a temptation because the devil brings it to destroy us. But when God brings a trial, it is really a test because God never brings something to destroy us. He brings it to develop us. And so many times you have to ascertain who brought it and what was the goal of it. And many times the goal of it can be seen in your response to it. Do you see it as a trial to develop you or do you see it as a temptation that is designed to destroy you john 16 33 says i have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart i have overcome the world the second thing we shared Last week, regarding how to survive trying times, we said number two, you need to remember God loves you. You need to remember God loves you. Verse one, Matthew four says Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness, but verse four, chapter one comes right after after Matthew chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen, and the text says in verse sixteen, when he had been baptized. Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. He saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Too many times in life, we view the presence or absence of test trials, tribulations and temptations As a referendum on whether or not God loves us. And I want you to know everybody under the sound of my voice. That God loves you regardless of what you go through in life. Regardless of what you face in life. Stop calling for a pity party. Expecting people to agree with you. That somehow because you have to go through something. God doesn't love you anymore. Let me just throw this in as a side note. Here's what I've discovered about the stuff that we go through. Sometimes what we go through is satanically devised. Sometimes the devil takes us through some things. Sometimes though, if we're honest, we go through what we go through because of our own stubbornness and stupidity. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm right about it. We just make up in our mind that we're going to do it the way we want to do it because that's the way we want to do it. And because of our own stubbornness and or our own stupidity, we find ourselves in situations that we much rather not be in. But every time we go through something, it is sovereignly allowed. Nothing catches God off guard. The text says, just before he went into the wilderness, God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He is doing exactly what God wants him to do because while the devil has a plan to tempt him, God has a plan to try him, to test him, to show that he is ready to begin his earthly ministry. Here's the first thing today I want you to see. The only thing I'm going to look at today in part two of how to survive trying times. Here's the point today. Number one, you must know and obey God's word. You must know and obey God's word. Verse two, Matthew chapter four. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give his angels charge concerning you and in their hands they will bear you up. Lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And him only you shall serve. The Bible says Jesus was a man acquainted with grief and sorrow. And one of the ways that that prophecy in Isaiah 53 became a reality was this scene in the wilderness between Jesus and the devil. The Bible says he was acquainted with grief and sorrow with tests and trials because when the devil tempted him he tempted him in three specific areas you have on your outlines first john i want you to write first john chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 first john chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 let me read it for you do not love the world or the things in the world If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Every sin in life Every temptation that is designed to lead you to sin falls into one of three areas. Write this down. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every sin finds its root. Every temptation that's designed to lead you to sin finds its root in one of three places, sometimes in all three. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So let me give you an example. And I'm not picking on anybody, but if I step on your toes, I'm sorry. You go to a store and you see something you really like. You know And God knows you don't need it. You know, God knows, and your bank account knows you can't afford it. But you see it. Lust of the eyes. I sure want that. I sure want that bag. I want them shoes. I want them sneakers. I've been looking for that for a long time. Ooh, I love that shirt. And the lust of the eyes starts moving and joins up with the pride of life. Ooh, when I pull this bag out, you know what they're going to say? When I wear them kicks, you know what they're going to say? When I wear that shirt, they're going to be like, player. Now I got the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh... And the pride of life going in my pocket. Pulling out a credit card trying to figure out if I can fit this in. In my minimum payments. And not be paying off this card until the year of our Lord. You don't have to say amen. You can say ouch if I'm knocking on your door right now. Every temptation. Now here's what I need you to know. Jesus faced tailor-made temptations. Somebody say tailor-made temptations. Tailor-made temptations. And here's why they were tailor-made. They were tailor-made to speak to him in places of legitimate desire, legitimate wants, and legitimate needs. See, temptations are not always rooted in what you want. Sometimes temptations are just rooted in what you need. The devil knows what you desire. The devil knows what you want and the devil knows what you need. So somebody said, well, what's the problem? The problem comes when you try to meet an illegitimate need in an illegitimate way. See, nobody talks about what you need. That's not what's supposed to drive you. Your need is your need, but how are you trying to meet your need? And if you're trying to meet your need, your legitimate need in an illegitimate way, you got a problem with God. The devil says, "Um, Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Legitimate need. Jesus has been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. So the devil knew he was hungry. So he comes to him with an offer to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Now, can I tell you what most of us would have done? We'd have been like, what, you know, devil, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God but if God didn't want me to be hungry, he wouldn't let me be hungry, so let's eat. I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission, right? Right? Because I'm being driven by the legitimacy of my feelings. Jesus says you cannot allow legitimate feelings and desires to justify disobedience to the word of God. See, the temptation is not the sin. It's how we respond to it that becomes the sin. Let me say that again for somebody. The temptation is not the sin. It's how you respond to the temptation that allows it to become sin or not be sin. So watch what the text says. Verse 3, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. It is written. Because Jesus understands that the best way to combat the devil when he comes at you is with the word of God. Now, I want you to notice something. He says twice, if you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. And the reason that's important for us is because he questions who Jesus is, but Jesus knows who he is. Let me help somebody here right now. You have to know who you are in Jesus in order to help yourself combat the temptations that are going to come your way. Because watch this, if you are trying to be who you are not, then the devil can take your legitimate feelings and lead you to an illegitimate place. There's certain things that you've got to know about who you are in Jesus. So that if you know who you are in Jesus, then you know I'm not going down that path. So the Lord says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds Out of the mouth of God. Three times in seven verses. Jesus says. It is written. It is written. Because Jesus wants you to know. You not only. Need to know the word. But you need to obey the word. See. Many of us we know it. But we take the legitimacy of our feelings. And we say well. You know, it is what it is. This is what I'm feeling. And my feelings rule me. And my feelings run me instead of facts and my faith in God. Let me give you an example. So several years ago, they had this rash of airplane crashes. And what they discovered was that the majority of these small plane crashes in particular were occurring in bad weather. Um, People were flying in stormy weather. They were flying in clouds. And it's showing up now with a lot of helicopter pilots as well. And what they're discovering is that these pilots are experiencing a type of vertigo when they are flying in a cloud bank or in a storm. Here's what happens. Pilots get disoriented and they begin to fly based on their feelings instead of the gauges on the instrument panel. The instrument panel says they're going up, but they feel like they're going down. When the instrument panel says you're going down, they feel like they're going up. And what was happening was pilots were trusting their feelings over the gauges on their device, over the plane that they were flying. And so here's what ended up happening. They thought because they were feeling like they were going up that there must be something wrong with the gauges because the gauges say they're going down. So they trusted their feelings over the gauges and they ended up crashing. They thought they were going up. The instrument panel said they were going down. How many of y'all can know somebody, maybe you know somebody, hopefully it's not you. You feel like, or they may feel like they're going up, but you looking at them saying, the decisions you're making are taking you down. They feel like they're going up. They feel like they're making good decisions. But when you look at their life and you look at the outcomes in their life, you say to them, how's that working out for you? Because they keep going down further and further and further because they trust their feelings over trusting the facts in the word of God. Preach Cofield. And so here's what Jesus wants you and I to know. Knowing the word is not enough. You've got to do the word. So watch what the devil did. Watch what the devil did. I I love the devil because the devil is persistent. He's consistent. You you don't have to fool around. The the devil's going to keep on coming. Watch what the devil does. Look at verse 5. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. The devil said, oh, you want to play that scripture quoting game? The devil said, I know the Bible too, Jesus. He says, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give his angels charge concerning you and in their hands, they will bear you up. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now he quotes Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12. Let me read it for you. Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12. He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. So here's what the devil does. And here's what the devil will do with you. He quotes the proper content, but he quotes it out of context. He takes the content out of context and whenever somebody takes content out of context, they'll use it to justify improper conduct. You can make the Bible say whatever you want to say when you take the word of God out of context. Fellow walked in drunk on a Sunday morning. Pastor called him in the back. He said, brother, what's wrong with you? He yeah, nothing wrong with me, Pastor. I'm good. He said, what you mean, man? You glassy-eyed and whatnot, man? You, obviously, you've been drinking. What's, what's wrong? He said, I, I, I ain't do nothing but what the Bible said. He said, what you mean you did what the Bible said? It's right here in the text. that said, drink ye all of it. I ain't do nothing but that. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that on 288. You. Yeah. Look at Ephesians 6:17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God that's part of our armor, the word of God some of you We're blessed and rooted, not just based on the connectivity in terms of the relationships, but for many of you, it was the first time that you had consistently spent time in the word of God every day. You read your horoscope more than you read your Bible. You watch the news more than you take in the word of God. You will take in the negativity and the bad news on every morning more than taking in what God has to give to you, the life-giving word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. You have it on your outlines. Read it with me if you do. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God is profitable for doctrine that's to teach you what's right. The word of God is profitable for reproof that's to teach you what's not right. The word of God is profitable for ins- correction that's to teach you how to get right. The word of God is profitable for instruction and righteousness that's to teach you how to stay right. Everything you need for right living is in the word of God. So, I got a confession to make to y'all. I was in physical therapy and I got a phone call. And I just hit the button, said, you know, I'm tied up, call you back in a minute. After therapy, uh, I picked up my phone and I saw who called me and I realized I had no intention of calling them back. No, don't judge me. Uh, I'm confessing now. No intention of calling them back. Uh, the person is a snake, two-faced, liar, uh, tried to destroy me. Uh, participated in some things to pull me down. And um, that's about the nicest thing I can say about them. right? And so I'm, I'm struggling, y'all. I'm struggling because I know I have no intention of calling them back. Um, what happened, happened probably now 10 years ago, right? I, I haven't seen him in 10 years. I ain't talked to him in 10 years. And it's been a wonderful 10 years. It's good. So I felt kind of convicted. My wife and I went to see Sister Centino on our way back. So I told my wife, I said, hey, I said, "Um," I said, you know, I got a phone call from this person. And she said, "Um," I'm, I'm telling you all the truth. She said, oh, they still alive? I thought they were dead. Well, I said they need to be. you will know. <laughs> pray, pray for your pastor. Now, I'm just telling you. <laughs> Somebody say, keep it real, Pastor. Somebody say. So my wife said, well, What happened? She knew of some stuff, but so I told her what happened. Told her what the person did and what they said and how they tried to set me up for failure and, you know. On and on and on, and uh, she said, "Well, she said I, I understand." I said, "I don't know if you understand." I said, "Cause I'll be honest with you." I said, "If we was riding down the road and they were on fire, I wouldn't stop to put them out." Now I ain't saying I would like the match. Like I ain't gonna set them on fire, but if I'm riding down the road and they on fire. I'm minding my business. I'm going somewhere else, y'all. I'm telling. T- I, I need somebody who's not a, ashamed to admit that they have felt the same way about some folk, y'all. Don't leave me out here by myself. I ain't saying I'm right, y'all. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just trying to tell you how I was feeling. I was in my feelings, y'all. I was in my feelings, and my wife said, she said. Oh, baby, you know you would stop me. I said, No, I wouldn't. <laughs> uh-uh. Oh, no. Uh-uh. I'm rolling. And she said, Well, what you gonna do? I said, None. I said, For what? You know, I'm calling back. Uh-uh. And I was thinking to myself, Well, maybe, maybe they were calling to apologize. And I said, Well, send me an email. don't know if I'll read it. I may read the first two or three lines and then I'm when I'm I'm done. I ain't fooling with them at all. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Nunca. (sighs) And 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 I gotta tell y'all the Lord the Lord convicted me. I still haven't called him. I'm still praying about whether I'm gonna call them or not. I, I'm still praying, cause cause I don't. So y'all know this is how I live. I don't think because somebody calls you, you're required to call them, right? I don't I don't function that way. But here's what I I did come to understand: my feelings, even getting that call and where it took me, was not. Honoring God. Right? Like even my thought that if they were on fire I ain't gonna stop to put them out. I know that ain't God. Now you might say well Rev, at least you didn't set them on fire. I but neither one of those are God. Like I can't go to a worse degree and then say well a less worse degree is more godly. No, nah, both of them are the devil. Setting them on fire and rolling by them and seeing them on fire. That's the devil too. Are y'all, are y'all hearing me? And so, I'm like, man, I got, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Because I've been good with this. Because I ain't even thought about it. And when his name came up on my phone, it's like, all of this stuff came up. It like, I'm like, whoa. So, one of our sweet ladies here, uh, Sister Letitia Thomas, y'all get a microphone for Letitia. Get a microphone for Letitia. Letitia, come on up here. She came after service, last service, and read this poem. Letitia Thomas is an author, she's the author of a book of poems entitled in the Addict of my mind and she started reading this poem and I said so so the Lord gonna use you to convict pastor this morning the Lord gonna use you to convict pastor. so I just thought how many of y'all at least can identify with what I was feeling right okay so this is what I figured ain't no need of me being convicted by myself Come on, y'all give Letitia Thomas a hand as she reads her poem to us today.
1: Thank you, Pastor. The poem is entitled Where Healing Begins. When there's an itch so deep inside that you cannot reach, and you've heard every word that the pastor preached, you want it to go, but it wants to stay and not even your prayers seem to run it away. Every Sunday, you take it to the altar with you, and you say you left it there, but that's not really true. When you return to your seat, it sits with you too. No place to run, though you try, you can't hide that feeling which has burrowed itself deep inside. To kill all the symptoms, you must first kill the root or your efforts are all in vain, and your points are all mute. For it will keep cropping up in the things that you say. Bitter sarcasm shows that it's not gone away. You hear, let it go is all you must do, but if the truth would be told, you don't really want to. Now look deeper within at who's really holding who. It takes time to release all that's inside, for some of it is trapped behind your stubborn pride. A bit is caught in your sometimey moods while you left just a tad in your pious attitude. You keep holding on tight and not letting go to avoid dealing with the pain that will show. You say, hurry, God, you're moving too slow, but he won't pry your hands. You must let it go. Anger that's harbored down deep in your soul will fester and grow until it's out of control. It does take some time to really let it all go, and the process might often seem quite slow. As you open your heart and let it all out, the pain will resurface, may cause you to shout, but allow it to burst through like the collapse of a dam. Then the weight is released as you turn it over to the great I am. Until you search yourself and see the only one who can stop this pain is me. I must say to God, forgive me first for carrying this burden and making things worse. Forgive me for not believing you can heal me completely and restore who I am. Say. Please, dear God, enter that dark, wounded place and remove everything as my sins you erase and restore in me, Lord, the right spirit once more. Then allow him to wash you clean to the core. Down on your knees is the best place to start to examine yourself as God purifies your heart. Where healing begins. Thank you. Thank, you.
0: Thank, you. Thank you. All the convicted people said Amen. 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 Thank you, Sister Thomas, for Uh, allowing the Lord to speak to you and allowing the Lord to speak through you today so there are many things in that poem that I know spoke to me not the least of which was a confirmation that the legitimacy of my hurt the legitimacy of my pain the legitimacy of my anger Cannot justify my, my sarcasm or my illegitimate response in regards to the word of God. Right? Even when folk are not godly, I still have a responsibility to be godly. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking right now, how do I respond to that call? I think I'm gonna send him a text message. Just make sure it wasn't a pocket dial. Amen. And, uh, may have been a pocket dial. Just want to See if it was a pocket dial. And if not, you know, just call me. And, uh, and I'm going to pray this prayer. It's a song we used to sing some, some years ago. It's a personal prayer to the Lord. It said, Lord, prepare me.
2: sanctuary
0: for you. Come on if you know it, sing it with me.
2: Lord prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true And with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you, Lord. Your sanctuary pure and holy Lord tried and true and with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary
0: for you as we continue to play that I'm going to ask everybody who can stand on your feet wherever you are I told you earlier for the overwhelming majority of us the problem is not what we know it's what we live Because every one of you already knows more than you're living. I said every one of you already knows more than you're living. So the question is not what we know. The question is what we're willing to live. It's not just are we willing to know the word, but are we willing to obey the word? Even when obeying it cuts against your pride, cuts against your flesh cuts against very legitimate desires and legitimate pain and legitimate hurt. But are you willing to say, God, I need you to have your way in my life. Despite my feelings, despite what I've been through, despite what folk have done to me, God, will you help me to be a sanctuary for you? I want you to bow your heads right now, every person who can, every person who will. I want you to think and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to bring back to your remembrance right now. Not not something that was the figment of your imagination. No, I'm talking about what you know real hurt real pain real mistreatment real betrayal that has kept you deep down from obeying the word of God in terms of your life and your living Holy Spirit, bring it back to their remembrance right now. Even those things that they have tamped down. Those things that they have moved past and moved beyond but have never gotten over. Move right now, Lord. God, we come before you as unworthy vessels. God, it is so easy to focus on those areas of perceived strength and perceived victory. When the truth is, God, all of us have strongholds in our lives that are keeping us from walking in obedience to your word. We have strongholds, God, that we have used to justify Our illegitimate feelings and our illegitimate actions. Somebody under the sound of my voice, God, has done what they know they have no business doing, feel how they know they have no business feeling, said what they know they have no business saying, rooted in legitimate pain, in legitimate emotions that we have sought to deal with in an illegitimate way. God, have mercy today. Forgive us today, God. Somebody under the sound of my voice, thank you, Lord, is mad, angry, upset, person's dead and gone. And they're still mad and angry like the person is still alive. Somebody, God, is mad and angry and upset as if the person has not moved on that person has moved on in their life but God we have not moved past that moment and God let me just talk about myself to have that reminder resurface caught me off guard unprepared And revealed that I I really hadn't moved past it like I thought I had. I hadn't found complete healing. That I'm still dealing with it. Even when I'm not dealing with it. I'm still carrying that gene within me. Even if it's not active. But that call activated something that I had never resolved. God, I pray right now that you would forgive us of our sins. And Lord, help us today. Help us today to not only see it, but help us address it by your word. Help us to move forward. Help us to forgive, not for the sake of others, but for our own sake and our own walk with you that we can walk in the healing and wholeness that you have made available to us. And God, where my prayers fall short, I ask you to make up the difference. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing if you will. If you're here today, you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life. If you're here today and you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be, If you're watching online and you want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you click on that hot link that is on the screen now, it will take you to a menu. If you want to know how to ask Jesus Christ into your life, I will show you and lead you in the prayer of salvation. If you've never prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your life, if you want to make this church your church home, we invite you to come. If you're here and you've accepted Christ and you want to make a commitment or recommitment of your life, you can do that on the link. For those of you who are in the sanctuary, you can use the link as well if you pull out your phone. But if you want to come, the men and women who are up front would love to show you privately how to ask the Lord into your life how to say yes to Jesus Christ, how to commit your life to the Lord. Here's what I want you to know. We won't look at you funny. We'll rejoice when you come because we've all had to go this way. So we invite you to make that step. If you need somebody to walk with you, just tell somebody, come on and walk with me. Uh, Even if you don't know him, just tell him, come on, I need you to walk with me. And there's somebody around you, the Lord has put around you, who will walk with you and come with you. If you're upstairs or down to my left or to my right, Come on and come, and say yes to the Lord.
2: Lord, prepare.
0: Come on and come to be
2: a sanctuary, sanctuary pure and holy. Lord, tried and true. tried and. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary
0: for you. Come on, let's take it up a little bit higher. Come on.
2: Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary.
0: Let's sing it for the last time, Lord. bless us now as we worship you in giving may our gifts accurately reflect our love for you for you said where your treasure is that's where your heart will be also so we pray now that as we give we would be partners with you in the kingdom work that all that we do and say will be pleasing in your sight it's in jesus name we pray amen